Vesper walked down the busy street in Echeta. He, Blank, and Cassiel had arrived there within the last day or so and had made their way to the Templar's headquarters. He wasn't too happy about having to wait for the trial to join the Templars. But he was excited about all the information he was finding about his scroll, about the corrupted, and he had a lot of anticipation for the future and what it had for him. Now that he had to wait for the trial, he decided he needed to find somewhere he was going to stay and probably do some good preparation for it as well. He'd need to get stronger, and the sooner he got stronger, the closer he would be to reaching his goal. As he approached his destination, Vesper's thoughts continued to wander, but like always, they quickly returned to his goal and the scroll on his back. More than once, he reached back to feel it and see if it was still firmly attached to the belt he wore. At one point, he even took the scroll out of its container to double-check the words that haunted his thoughts were still there. Glowing slightly on the silvery paper, they were. Reading those words, Vesper was forced to remember the fateful day he had received the scroll. He was only 10 years old at the time, but he was old enough then that he still remembered how later that year, the Soaring Fleet, an armada of flying ships controlled by the halflings, had discovered his people's home. Pretty much no one knew their location before then. And once discovered, the security in the forest around where he lived was increased to the point where he couldn't go wandering. But at the time, life was simple. A 10-year-old could easily find hours of enjoyment wandering the almost magical forest, discovering the wonders of nature, wildlife, and adventure. It was during one of these adventures that Vesper found his scroll. He was running through the forest, chasing after a squirrel as fast as he could, when suddenly, he stumbled and fell into a deep hole that he hadn't seen. Aw oh, man, where did this hole even come from? I swear it wasn't here last time. He cried out as he brushed the dirt and leaves out of his hair and checked the little scrapes he now had on his elbows and knees. Mom is gonna kill me if she sees I got hurt. He continued to moan on. Once he got his bearings, he looked around to find a way out, but it was so dark in the hole he could barely see. Just as he was starting to get scared that he would be in this hole forever and his mom would never get the chance to kill him. Because, you know. He would die in this dark and lonely hole, never to be seen again. My child. Vesper whipped around to see where this mysterious voice was coming from. His eyes locked onto a figure standing there with a gentle look in his eyes. He was a tall, draconic humanoid with regal robes adorning his slender figure. Similar to eastern dragons, he sported a mane of white hair with an equally white mustache hanging down past his chin. His scales shone a brilliant platinum color, one like Vesper had never seen before. Who are you? Where did you come from? Vesper asked nervously, but the shining figure said nothing, only smiled. The draconic being reached into his robe and pulled out a mysterious object and handed it to Vesper. Upon closer inspection, Vesper realized it was some kind of scroll kept in an ornately decorated wooden tube. He looked at the stranger who nodded his head toward the scroll. Then cautiously, Vesper opened the scroll 
and saw that much of the writing was in a language he did not understand. But a passage right at the center of the scroll was written in his home tongue. It glowed slightly as he read it out loud, and Vesper felt himself getting drawn into the words as he read them. Vigilance. The shadows are here. Defeat them. The reflection approaches. Stop him. Discipline. Magic's blood is corrupt. Cleanse it. The wounds of the world bleed. Seal them. Loyalty. My soul is restless. Comfort it. My family is divided. Unite them. Use my power and accomplish these things. Vigilance, loyalty, discipline. After reading the last line, he looked up and discovered that he was no longer in the hole, and the figure was nowhere to be seen. Looking around in the forest, he saw that he was exactly where he had been before. He even saw the squirrel he had been chasing, and it was running up a nearby tree. All of his scrapes were gone and his clothes were clean too. In fact, it was like he hallucinated the whole thing, except for the fact that he was still holding the scroll. Hey, watch where you're going! Vesper's mind came back to the streets of Echetta, and he quickly sidestepped to get out of the way of the burly mountain dwarf, who had yelled at him. Realizing that mountain dwarves weren't a common sight on Echetta, Vesper checked his surroundings and realized he had reached his destination, the hub of the embassy district, where each island sent their own representatives. Right now, he was standing in front of the Brom embassy, where the impatient dwarf had just exited. Quickly moving down further into the district, he found the smaller embassies. There were several smaller ones for islands like Shays, the different halfling groups, Hidalga, a little piece of home right here on Echeta. Walking into the embassy of his homeland, he was immediately transported back to the magical forest he grew up in. The decorations on the walls proudly displayed his heritage, and when he heard his native tongue, he finally felt like he could relax. Dropping his guard, Vesper finally looked and felt like himself again. By the Grey Lady, is that you, Stone? Vesper turned around to see a massive blue dragonborn standing there. With a grin wider than usual, Vesper laughed. Trouble! What are you doing here? Also, I go by Vesper now. Giving him a big hug, the dragonborn laughed in return. Well, I go by Starhand now. I'm the diplomat knight stationed here on Echetta. You mean you apprenticed under Light Soul? Dude, that's crazy. And you're already a knight? Vesper shook his head and motioned for them to go sit down in the lounge area. As they walked over, he poked Starhand in the belly. Well, it looks like you've got a bit bigger since I last saw you. Maybe, but you're shorter than the last time I saw you. Starhand replied and patted Vesper on the head. You've always been taller than me, but you're taller than anyone, everyone else anyways. That's true, that's true. Hey, have you been using my hat? I've used it a few times, yes, Vesper replied, and he took out his friend's hat and transformed to look exactly like Starhand. But I normally use these looks, he continued and transformed to look like a stocky dwarf with a long beard. 
then into a large sumo-like man, then back into himself. Nice. I told you that you could use my face away from home. I will, I will, I promise. So, how did you end up becoming the the diplomat knight? I always thought you wanted to be uh, one of the forest guardians. I did, but ever since you left, it's been different back home, you know. The high sorcerers are a lot more paranoid. They've upped security like crazy, and there's just so much bureaucracy. Vesper snorted. So to avoid the bureaucracy, you became a diplomat, huh? Well, if you put it that way, it don't make no sense. But the people here on a chat are good. Believe you me, it's better here than back home. But don't you miss home? Don't you miss the way the wind blew through the trees? Dapuitakra growing in the most magnificent ways. And there was only the great lady and not so many different gods. Ah, yes. I love home as much as you. But it's not so bad out here as you think. I've learned so much about the gods and even all the different cultures here. Did you know, here on Achetta, there are people that are more like animals than anything else? Just the other day, I ran into a man who was basically a walking turtle. Yeah, I saw someone or some uh, some people similar to that on Zonari. Uh, there are a group of, like, nomadic lizard folk wandering the desert there. They kind of reminded me of you. Ha. You both have scales, but we're nothing alike. Starhand flexed his large muscles. The light coming from the window reflected on his bright blue scales. And I bet they can't do this. He reached out his hand and conjured a fireball, which burned for a few seconds, then exploded in a puff of smoke. Vesper sighed. The people... The magic, nothing compares to our home. It's the only place I can be myself. The people out here are just so cutthroat. At that, Starhand got serious. Vesper, it's been a while since you've been back home. Things changed after you left. Crime rose like crazy. It was like the doors of chaos were opened. (sighs) I know we spoke before you left. And I've been told the story that everyone else was told, but what really happened? Some, some people think you're a murderer. Vesper sighed. Yeah. Let me, let me fill in the gaps. And, um, well, unfortunately, this, this might reveal some family secrets. So please don't, like, share this with anyone. Of course. Vesper looked down at his feet and closed his eyes. He could vividly picture his past, so he began telling his friend the story, with a little bit of background first. Vesper stood at the kitchen table in his childhood home, holding a pot of flowers his mom had placed there earlier. The adults in the room talked ecstatically while they watched as Vesper somehow caused the flowers to bloom then go back into their buds, wrap themselves into a braid, then unwrap, then wiggle around like they were dancing. He's a sorcerer just like his father. Maybe he'll be able to become a knight. This is unusual magic though, we don't normally see this. Phrases like this bounced around the room as Vesper's future was being decided by the adults who didn't really understand. Then, his mother stormed into the room. 
Get out of here, all of you. You're his uncles and aunts. Can't you see he's just a boy? Don't make him grow up faster than he's ready. She shooed them out of the room and ushered them all the way to the front door, leaving just Vesper and his little brother Zen in the kitchen. I think your powers are really cool, Vesper. I wish I had powers. Zen said once again. For the next several years, Zen would continue to admire Vesper and his powers, but then things started to change. Mom, you're gonna get better, right? Zen asked their mother, who was laying in bed, the color of sickness making her normally beautiful face unrecognizable. Zen looked at Vesper, who was also standing next to the bed. Right? Their mom smiled, then winced. I don't know if I'll be alright, okay, honey? <coughs> Your father and the rest of the town are doing their best to help. She looked at Zen, then Vesper, then at both of them. I want you two boys to promise that you'll take care of each other, okay? Your dad is going to do his best, but you guys help each other too. Will you promise me that? We will, Vesper cried, old enough to realize that their mom wouldn't ask them that unless she was scared that she wouldn't make it. Their mom quieted down after that, speaking up only once their father had come back with another healer. A few hours later, she passed away. Years later, Vesper knelt in the grand hall of their village in front of Stonefist Glade, a large and powerful leader. Around him were the other leaders of his people, his uncles, aunts, and his brother. Over to the side, his best friend Starhand, then known as Treble, was smiling and giving him a big thumbs up. His blue dragonborn friend was just a teenager, but was already larger than all the adults in the room. I, Stonefist Glade, sitter of the Topaz Seat in the High Council of Sorcerers, hereby name thee my vassal. As you promise to uphold my commands, I promise to train you and help you achieve your goals. Do you agree with these terms? I do, Vesper replied as he glanced over at his brother, Sen, and his father, Dungard, standing behind him. He knew his brother was bitter because, to this day, Zen hadn't shown any of the sorcerous origins that ran in their family. The attention that Vesper received made Zen feel like their father didn't care for him, and these feelings were especially exacerbated after their mother passed away. Just days before, Zen had become so angry that Vesper was getting initiated as a vassal that he attacked Vesper and their father had to intervene. Dungard had originally planned to train Vesper, but with this divide forming between his sons, he decided to ask his close friend and fellow high sorcerer, Stonefist, to train Vesper in his place. Stonefist continued, Then rise. According to our customs, you will now be known by my name, Stone. As you continue in your training and perform worthy deeds, your name will grow as you have grown. Each vassal is given a symbol unique to them and their master to represent the loyalty that should exist between them. Your clan currently holds the crystal seat of our government, and I hold the topaz seat. Thus, the symbol of our mentorship is this knife made with both crystal and topaz. 
Stonefist then presented a large and beautiful curved knife, made of the two materials. He presented it to Vesper, who rose and accepted the symbol. As he accepted the knife, the crowd burst into clapping and cheering, celebrating the beginning of Vesper's training. Over the next few years, Vesper, now known as Stone, trained with Stone Fist and learned how to access more of his powers. His family, Dungard and Zen, and now Stonefist were the only people who knew about his scroll. Stonefist hypothesized that Vesper's powers came from the scroll and were not sorceress, and frequently met with Dungard to discuss the best way to help Stone develop his abilities. It was after one of these meetings that Zen made his move. Well, Stonefist, my friend, sighed Dungard, standing at the entrance of his home, I think you're correct. I don't think we should keep Stone here for his training. That scroll of his seems to suggest something about the corruption. And unfortunately, we've only ever had a few cases of the corruption here, so leaving would be best would be the best way for him to learn more. Yes, Stonefist replied. My other vassals out in the field have reported that the Templars on a Cheta would be the best source for finding that information. I've already drafted up the papers to send Stone on his first mission in the field. I'll let him know our decision in the morning. With that, Stonefist waved to Dungard and started to walk home. There was a particular section of the path home where the road moved through a clump of dense trees, and it was here that Zen was waiting. As he walked through the dark patch of clumped trees, Stonefist could hear the sounds of the night clearly, but while pushing past a branch that was hanging down into the path, the night went silent, and he heard someone breathing behind him. Turning around to check who was there, Stonefist was met with a sharp pain in his chest. In front of him stood Zen Brightcrest, Vesper's jealous brother. Looking down, he saw a large curved knife embedded deep in his chest. Falling to his knees, Stonefist grasped at the knife made of topaz and crystal, which he had forged. But the strength was rapidly leaving his fingers, and his vision was going dark. Why? Zen? Stonefist muttered. Zen looked down at him. I'm, I'm, so, I'm sorry, Stonefist. I, I had to... It, it had to happen. Then Zen froze as something came over him, and slowly a wicked smile grew on his face, and a look that sent chills down Stonefist's spine came into his eyes. As he continued in a manic voice, he said, You see the knife, don't you? Sitter of the topaz seat. He spat. They'll all think Stone killed you. With the very symbol of his apprenticeship. And we both know the penalty of murder is death. <laughs> and with your death, and my precious brother's demise, the Grey Lady's father can never return. 
and his plan will be foiled. Zen continued to rant on, but Stonefist couldn't hear him anymore. His lifeless body remained kneeling in the center of the path. His last act as High Sorcerer, Sitter of the Topaz Seat, was a simple cantrip in code thoughts, which he wordlessly cast, then placed his last memory into the tear he allowed to run down his face. Vesper sat back in his chair, tired from reliving his most painful moments. Starhand sat across from him, scratching his chin while in deep thought. That's one crazy story. Starhand finally spoke up. Back home, they originally thought it was you that killed Old Stonefist. They even started a manhunt to find you. But then your pa was able to show them some papers that Stonefist had written up, documenting your mission. These papers explained why you weren't there and provided enough counter evidence that the High Council of Sorcerers ended the manhunt and decided that on your return they would have to question you. But you haven't returned. Most people still think you're guilty and no one even knows about Zen. How do you even know about that? Anyways... Vesper chuckled. <laughs> the only thing my father's ever done contrary to our law was tampering with that evidence. When they found Stonefist, he well he was the my father was the first high sorcerer on the scene, and he immediately saw the encoded thought and recognized it. So he took it, and after he saw what I told you, then he went and found me, and he showed me the memory, too. After that, he got me on a boat and sent me away. I, I'm not sure what's left for me back home. Um, I'm not even sure what's happened with Zen, um, but my... My father said that I have to stay away until I know it's safe to come back. Here, Vesper said as he handed Starhand his scroll, which he had received from the mysterious figure. I didn't know about the mission you talk about that I was supposed to be on, uh, but you see that line there about the corruption? That's why I'm here. Starhand scanned the scroll and nodded. I don't know if it's safe for you to return home yet, but next time I go back, I'll talk to your father. See what he thinks. I think you're following the right path, though, Vesper. And I'm sorry it had to be this way, though. Yeah, well, I'm not sure I'm ready to go back home anyways, but thank you. While I'm... In town, I'm actually here waiting. I want to, I want to join the Templars, but uh, their trials don't happen for another couple months.
I wanted to see if I could get better at using this, though, Vesper said, pointing to the double scimitar strapped to his backpack on the floor. Is there anyone here from back home who could teach me? I know there were uh, several older knights who used them. Starhan nodded enthusiastically. Well, if you're staying in Echetta, then you have a place here. It'll be good to catch up. And to address your question, the previous knight diplomat here on Echetta is an expert with the double scimitar. He goes by Kern, his birth name now. I could definitely set up some training sessions for you with him. Nodding appreciatively, Vesper put on his hat and transformed to look like a short little rock gnome with yellow skin and bright red hair. I'll be using this hat while waiting here in the city. People might recognize me here at the embassy and in town, and I don't really want to run into anyone. You've always loved messing around with those hats. Which reminds me, do you remember that old lady who used to live in the house next door? We used to throw rocks at her chickens? Well, she's one of the high sorcerers now, and it's a really good thing that we stopped hitting her chickens with rocks, and it's also a really good thing. Go, Dean. That was cool. I'm tired. I bet, yeah. So much. <laughs> that was really long. That was that, super cool, though. That Way scratchy to go the voice it. there? That oh, I'm sure. <laughs> my throat. Yeah, that sounded painful. <laughs> Dude, the voices were really cool. Gotta wow. It. Thank you, Trent, for doing those voices. Hey, of course. Thank you for writing it. Um, I know I already know some of the details, but I don't think Gordon does. I how, didn't know like 90% of that. How long how long did it take you to write this up? Um well m- most of it most of the foundation of it I guess was in my head already. Um but like little things like having me in a cheddar already, finding a place to stay, that I had no idea until we recorded the episode kind of thing. Um where we got to a Cheta. Yeah. But uh it took me it it took me several hours. Um I mean I even spent a few hours maybe not a few but like a, a bit of time today um touching some stuff up that I wanted to change. Yeah. It was really good. And uh what inspired you to do it like in an audiobook format? Um I just love books. I like reading. Um I like the ability that the book can give you to like jump from scene to scene and it it makes a lot of sense um and i like the narration part of it because i feel like when you have a narrator like some especially for like an audio format it it can sometimes add visualization that maybe the normal podcast doesn't get yeah that's true what about you, Gordon? Do you have any questions? They don't just have to be about the writing. They could also be about something you heard in it. And Dean, you don't have to spoil anything, but. So like, wow, you had so many different connections that I did not expect from this episode. It was really cool. So like, that's how you got the scroll? Like, that's super cool to me. Like, wow. Okay. 
Yeah, he Vesper hasn't actually talked with Blank or Cass a ton no, yet yeah. about the scroll. I don't know if he's really showed them the scroll a whole lot. I think maybe they were with him when he showed Horus it. I can't. No, remember. he sent them away. Oh, really? Yeah, he oh. he he talked to Horus about the scroll alone, and I mean, I'm sure they've seen it because it's like on a canister. Yeah, it's on a your canister back, on your back, but but they've never talked about it. Yeah, I I guess they might talk about it. I don't know. Probably in, I from where we are recording right now, they'll probably talk about it in the episode that comes out after this, this one, because um, that's when they kind of decide what they want to do. I think. Yeah. Um, after they, you know, are able to become Templars. Um. Yeah. So. Good stuff. Good we'll stuff. We'll see. I don't know how much Vesper is going to talk about it with Blank and Cass. For sure. Yeah. I think he'll tell them probably where he got the scroll from. It'll be a little bit hard to hide it since he's going to have a. Uh, I mean, this episode. The episode already came out. He has his little dragon friend already. Yeah. So yeah, he's going to have to explain it somehow. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right. With this, two of three are complete. There can only be one left over that we have to do. Um, <laughs> it didn't work as well as I thought it was going to work. Anyways, thank you so much for listening to Channel Divinity and to this special character episode for Vesper. I am Trent, DM and host. Host? For this podcast? Yeah, kind of. I'd say host. Okay. I'm the DM and host, Trent. I'm Dean. I play Vesper. I'm Gordon, and I'm just tagging along for the story. We'll see y'all later. Keep tuning in.